"'Wish for whom thou wilt,' said the Templar. "'But let us make what defence we can with the soldiers who remain. "'They are chiefly Front de Boeuf's followers, "'hated by the English for a thousand acts of insolence and oppression.' "'The better,' said de Bracy. "'The rugged slaves will defend themselves to the last drop of their blood "'ere they encounter the revenge of the peasants without.' "'Let us be up and doing, then, Brian de Bagilbert. "'And, live or die, thou shalt see Maurice de Bracy "'bear himself this day as a gentleman of blood and lineage.' "'To the walls,' answered the Templar, "'and they both ascended the battlements "'to do all that skill could dictate and manhood accomplish "'in defence of the place. "'They readily agreed that the point of greatest danger "'was that opposite to the outwork of which the assailants had possessed themselves. "'The castle indeed was divided from that barbican by the moat, "'and it was impossible that the besiegers could assail the postern door "'with which the outwork corresponded, without surmounting that obstacle. "'But it was the opinion both of the Templar and de Bracy "'that the besiegers, if governed by the same principle their leader had already displayed, would endeavour, by a formidable assault, to draw the chief part of the defender's observation to this point, and take measures to avail themselves of every negligence which might take place in the defence elsewhere. To guard against such an evil, their numbers only permitted the knights to place sentinels from space to space along the walls in communication with each other, who might give the alarm whenever danger was threatened. Meanwhile they agreed that de Bracy should command the defence at the postern, and the Templar should keep with him a score of men or thereabouts as a body of reserve, ready to hasten to any other point which might be suddenly threatened. The loss of the Barbican had also this unfortunate effect, that, notwithstanding the superior height of the castle walls, the besieged could not see from them, with the same precision as before, the operations of the enemy for some straggling underwood approached so near the sally-port of the outwork that the assailants might introduce into it whatever force they thought proper, not only under cover, but even without the knowledge of the defenders. Utterly uncertain, therefore, upon what point the storm was to burst, de Bracy and his companion were under the necessity of providing against every possible contingency, and their followers, however brave, experienced the anxious dejection of mind incident to men enclosed by enemies who possessed the power of choosing their time and mode of attack. Meanwhile the lord of the beleaguered and endangered castle lay upon a bed of bodily pain and mental agony. He had not the usual resource of bigots in that superstitious period, most of whom were wont to atone for the crimes that they were guilty of by liberality to the church, stupefying by this means their terrors by the idea of atonement and forgiveness, and, although the refuge which success thus purchased was no more like to the peace of mind which follows on sincere repentance than the turbid stupefaction procured by opium resembles healthy and natural slumbers, it was still a state of mind preferable to the agonies of awakened remorse. But among the vices of Front de Boeuf, a hard and griping man, avarice was predominant, and he preferred setting church and churchmen at defiance to purchasing from them pardon and absolution at the price of treasure and of manners. 
nor did the Templar, an infidel of another stamp, justly characterize his associates when he said Front de Boeuf could assign no cause for his unbelief and contempt for the established faith. For the Baron would have alleged that the Church sold her wares too dear, that the spiritual freedom which she put up to sale was only to be bought, like that of the chief captain of Jerusalem, with a great sum and Front de Boeuf preferred denying the virtue of the medicine to paying the expense of the physician. But the moment had now arrived when earth and all his treasures were gliding from before his eyes, and when the savage baron's heart, though hard as a nether millstone, became appalled as he gazed forward into the waste darkness of futurity. The fever of his body aided the impatience and agony of his mind, and his death-bed exhibited a mixture of the newly awakened feelings of horror, combating with the fixed and inveterate obstinacy of his disposition, 